You're listening to Closer, a Bible study meets podcast. Exploring God, faith, and all the stuff in between. I'm your host, Billy Draper. So welcome back to Closer. Uh, Last episode, we explored the meaning of the fear of God. And at the conclusion, I encourage listeners to dig into scripture and identify ways in which the Bible guides us to show our admiration otherwise known as fear of God. And so I ask you, where did it take you? And where did you start? For me, I almost immediately associate respect with admiration. And one of the ways we show respect is to follow rules, right? It seems like a pretty sound concept. I see the idea of being respectful and admiring authority play out almost daily with my five-year-old. As his dad, I give him rules and instructions on how to behave. And if he follows those rules, he's being respectful. But the minute he doesn't, well, he's not. And he's not, and he's being disrespectful. And I remind him of that. Why do you do this? You have to be respectful. So when I think about showing respect to God, I immediately went to Exodus 20, where God delivers the ultimate rules of respect and life to Moses via the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to go through the Ten Commandments. I'm certain most of the listeners here are familiar with that. But I do want to call out what Moses says to the people immediately following the delivery of the commandments. In Exodus 20, verse 20, Moses says, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. And I'll call out the obvious first, and then we'll jump over to a few other verses to unpack this a bit more. First, Moses says, do not be afraid. And in the same verse, he mentions, so that the fear of God will be with you. Seems a bit odd, right? Well, it is. Remember, the Bible originally written in Hebrew or biblical Hebrew was translated to Greek and then into English and has since undergone multiple translations. And therefore, the limitations of a one-to-one translation are glaringly obvious and all the more reason to explore the word in more detail as you read it. I think that is just something fundamentally you have to do when you're um, interfacing with the Bible. In fact, in reading What is the Bible by Rob Bell, you've heard me reference that a number of times. I absolutely love that book. I was introduced to the concept that reading scripture is like turning a diamond in the light. Every time you turn it, you see something new. And Rob mentions the book, um, God Was in This Place and I, and I Did Not Know, by uh, Rabbi Lawrence Kushner, in which each chapter is a different interpretation of the same book of the Bible. I think it's pretty remarkable, right? The Bible kind of reveals itself, and there's definitely different interpretations. But if um, anyone out there has read this, I'd love to get your opinion on that book because I'm considering reading it, and it just sounds fascinating to me. But my point in all this is that the Bible really opens up and becomes super interesting if you if you really explore the meaning of it by referencing other verses. So in the case of Exodus 2020, my Bible, the Life Application Study Bible, references three verses: Deuteronomy 4:10, Isaiah 8:13, and Proverbs 16:6. 16, 16. I'll say that again: Deuteronomy 4:10. Isaiah 8, 13, and Proverbs 16, 6. I love this part. This is the favorite part about the Bible. Um, it's, it's, there's all these puzzle pieces that kind of come together, these verses that represent, represent different verses from different moments in time. I think it's kind of remarkable. But Deuteronomy 4, 10 reads, 
Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb. I think that's synonymous with Mount Sinai. I'm going to probably butcher that as well. But it concludes to say, When he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words, so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land, and may teach them to their, ch- to their children. Now, the key word being revere, or to show deep respect, right? I think that is, is what we're talking about here. And in the English Standard Version, Proverbs 16.6 states, By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Which leads us back to the idea of the fear of the Lord. Side note, every time I explore content for this podcast, or really anytime I crack open the Bible and, and really start reading it, I feel like I need a whiteboard <laughs> to kind of capture how all of it kind of relates to itself in multiple ways. Um, you know, like a, like a good TV show um, or a great story or, you know, any of those things uh, that you kind of find fascinating. The Bible is as deep as it is wide, but is easy to understand as you spend more time with it and, and, and books about it. So that's kind of the, the, the great thing. It really becomes uh, the, the speed of the game slows down, as they might say in sports terms here. But so in stitching, together, in stitching together a few key verses, we go from fear to reverence back to fear, but are given a special set of instructions in Proverbs 16.6, by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. That's very, very key. One turns away from evil. So what do you do when you turn away from something? Right? You look or go in the opposite direction, right? Not a, not a hard question to answer. And as some of you know, I'm in the middle of receiving a certificate in the- theological studies, which I probably will grow into a full-fledged degree at some point, maybe a doctrine, I don't know. But part of what I have learned in the studies is that turning away from evil, as this verse and many others suggest, is a necessary step in respecting and admiring God. It's, it's not just a suggested step, it's a necessary step. Turning away from evil is repentance. And we've heard that R word many times, repent, repent, repent. I've always kind of struggled with it, always kind of felt, um, I don't know, not clear what it means. But repentance is literally turning away from evil, turning around, facing God, and going in that direction. And turning away from evil is showing admiration for and to God, right? We get the point. I've, 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 we made that point. But let's go deeper here for a moment because we started this episode with how to admire God. And hows are absolutely important, right? We're kind of looking for instruction. But, but what makes this more relevant are the wise. In Acts 3.19, Peter delivers the following. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. The instruction is straightforward. By turning to God, and this is where the how-tos of fearing and revering God will unfold, our sins are nullified and we will be refreshed by the Lord. Now, not to simply glossed over, our sins will be nullified part of the verse, because, I mean, without that, we've got nothing, right? But given the state of the world right now, doesn't refreshing sound nice? It sounds, it sounds necessary, refreshing. We all need a little refreshment these days. And turning to the Lord, or at least in my experience, is refreshing. And my goal each and every day is to get up, crack open the Bible, 
starting with a prayer, asking the Lord, you know, to help me receive the word in a meaningful way that, you know, will renew my attitude, understanding, and relationship with God. I, I do that. You know, help me find the truth. Help me find what I need to understand today. Lead me to it. The days I do that, I'm energized by it. I actually feel better. Um, now, I think this is where I might take the next couple podcast episodes. I don't know. There's so much going on in the world today. We could go in a lot of different directions. But I think there's something around this, you know, the, the energy you get by worshiping God. And there's scientific proof for this, too. It's kind of interesting. So it's okay to merge science with religion, folks. Um, and I will do that. <laughs> but like I said, the days I do that, I'm energized. The days I don't, there is a noticeable difference in energy and attitude. And as I start to, it's just like going to the gym, right? You go to the gym and the day you take off from working out, you don't feel as good. Same thing applies here. And I truly believe in the power of that. So drum roll, please. Fearing slash revering God is all about worshiping God. Finally, we get to the point, right, Billy? Um, but how do we worship God? That's the question, right? The first word of advice can be found in John 4, 24. And this is kind of fundamental. So I say you have to start here. Um, and I've read plenty of other sources that start here as well. I, I, either way, I think it's worth noting, right? God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth, right? Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, you can think about the word spirit, you can think about the word truth, and you can address them, and let's do that. So speaking on spirit, this means worship that originates from within, from the heart. It has to be sincere, motivated by our love, curiosity, uh, uh, for God and all the gratitude for all he is and has done, right? It, think about this. If you go through something and you're just going through the motions and you're insincere, the result is always not, not that great. I, I think about that with my child. When my child is trying to get my attention and I'm being insincere in my attention to him, it's not good. And we it's a waste of his time. It's a waste of my time. And it's just not good. So when you come to worship God, you have to do it in sincere form. And I can tell you, right, we can turn on the TV, we can listen to news articles, we or, or read news articles, and we can see that people are very insincere of their worship of God. They have other um, motives, right? And, and, it's, and you can see through that. Um, integrity uh, and sincerity are, are, are key. So worship can't be an insincere act. Speaking on truth, it obviously obviously means that our worship must come from uh, and conform to the revelation of God in Scripture. It must be informed by who God is and what he is like. Our worship must be rooted in and tethered to the realities of biblical revelation. Worship is meant to be formed by the light of what's true. Genuine Christ-exalting worship must never be mindless or based in ignorance. It has to be grounded and focused on the truth of all we know of our great triune God. Right? Truth is very key to this. So, you know, truth is something you have to get. You have to find the truth. You have to seek the truth. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what everything means. But I do have an understanding of where you know, I, I I feel like there is truth in what I do and what I read. I've 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 had enough 
moments where I have sought to come to that conclusion, right? I've, 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 I've done enough seeking that that is my conclusion. Now, some of the finer details I I'll, might have answers to one day, and, and some of those I'll never have answers to, right? But it's very important to seek the truth and to worship with spirit and truth. So to worship God, there are a number of ways the Bible outlines, and I encourage you to seek some of the Bible verses for yourself, you know, using your concordance and, and you know, whatever kind of search mechanisms, phoning a friend, right, talking to people that you associate with and, uh, you know, talking to your pastor, people at your church, whatever it may be. But I, th- I would say go explore. There's plenty of, there's plenty of, uh, of, of material out there that will lead you to some of the more verses tied to worship. Um, and then there's this idea that worship and praise are different. And, and so you could kind of go down that path. And I, I'm, I say do it, right? Go, go explore the difference between praise and worship because it gets pretty interesting. But in a nutshell, when we think about worshiping, there are kind of these key concepts. There's kneeling, right? So kneeling in prayer, lifting your hands, singing and praise, making music, even dancing and shouting, and silence. What I find remarkable about this list is that it covers a pretty nice spectrum, right? I don't think anybody's left out because if you think about the people that can kneel, all right, I can kneel or I can lift my hands or I can sing or I can actually make the music. I can dance if I'm able, you know, I can shout if that's my thing or I can just remain silent. There is, there, there's just so many different ways in which to worship the Lord and there comes a different flavors. And if you're like me, I'm not personally comfortable <laughs> raising my hands and shouting and I may never be. Um, I've been to the churches where, you know, people are shouting and, and talking in tongues and it gets really outrageous. I, hey, spirit's moving them. If that's what's happening and it's sincere, that's excellent. I don't worship that way. The, the spirit moves me in other ways. Um, I do enjoy singing and playing music. And in fact, I'm a musician on our worship team at my church. And I also love worshiping God through silence and observation of nature and his word. In fact, when I'm out fishing, I fly fish a lot, living in Colorado. Um, there are many times when I just stop and I look around and I just, it's a moment of silence that I have with God and where I'm really listening to nature, right? I'm not saying, I'm just listening and, and observing and it becomes a moment of connection. It's, it's, it's pretty important. Um, and reverence and worship to God, um, ultimately we are giving him room for him to reveal his presence. The entire reason I started this podcast project is because of that very experience, that very feeling. After years of it's not for me and going through the motions um, and debating a lot of things internally, I finally gave God space and room to work with and within me. I started seeking and he has since revealed himself to me. So much so that I do strive to be the salt and light that Jesus speaks about in Matthew 5. Now, the Bible is full of proof of this phenomenon. That's my firsthand, you know, experience. And if I think about when I was a smaller boy, you know, back when I was going to church more, um, well, actually the foundation, my mom and used to take me and my brother to the church all the time. And I, I did, I was baptized and really felt a connection with the Lord, but it's been many years and now I've, I've had that connection. And so, you know, that's, that's personal proof of this phenomenon, but like I said, the Bible has plenty of proof of this phenomenon, this experience. And it is illustrated absolutely beautifully in Isaiah 6, 8. I'll read this to you. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. 
pretty powerful stuff, right? What's what what what's what happens before six eight is you know Isaiah is worshiping and there's some other, but this is all through worship. This conclusion that he says, and I said, here I am, send me, is because God reveals Himself through this act of worship. It's incredible, folks, and I hope you feel this. And if you don't feel this, I hope that you seek. I hope that you are open, and I hope that you take the time to give God space through worship, whether you're kneeling and you're praying or whether you're observing nature or whether you're clapping your hands and shouting and screaming or playing music or writing music or singing, um, even off key, that still worked for God, right? So, so this puts a wrap on episode three, part two. I have so many ideas for episode four. You heard me reference that earlier. I really don't know where I'll start or where I'll be led between now and publishing it. I'm reading like six different books and I want to, you know, I want to just do a study on those books explicitly. So I've got a couple ideas. Um, I don't know what I'll do, but I do encourage you to follow Closer on Instagram at listen to Closer, or sign up for the Closer newsletter at listentocloser.com, and I'll provide some updates, right? Uh, maybe some hints at some content, etc. But thanks again for listening. Closer's now listened to um, six continents, um, you know, Antarctica. Come on, you're disappointing me, <laughs> but listen to uh, worldwide. I can say that. That is really cool. So I really appreciate everyone listening, um, coming back to listen. And I, pr- uh, you know, I pray that you share this with folks. I encourage you to share this with folks. And as always, send me feedback. Um, and thank you for listening. <laughs>